This is Unsolved Mysteries of the World, Season 1, Episode 22, The Giant Rock UFO Magnet. Bonus Episode 1, George Van Tassel lectures at the Rotary Club in California in 1956. A man named Keeley back in Pennsylvania built a free energy motor and demonstrated it to the highest scientific minds in this country. Keeley was later later died in an insane asylum. His motor disappeared. Nobody has ever been able to find out what happened to it. We had a man in 1929 on the Cleveland airport that had a section of one hangar rented there and it was canvassed off so you couldn't see what was there. For over a year that man worked behind the canvas and as far as anybody on the airport went we all figured he was a little off the beam because he never did anything when he'd say good morning or good night or how are you. The man's name was Henderson. One morning when I came to my job there at, Cle- at the Cleveland airport I saw a, a Waco 10 airplane setting out on the line. The only difference in it and the other Waco 10s was the cowling was changed. This man Henderson came out and got in this airplane and flew it around the field. We didn't hear a sound from an engine. Everybody on the field rushed up to the ship after it landed. And he climbed out and permitted us to open the cowling and look in, into the cockpit, into any part of the airplane. There were no batteries in the airplane, there were no gas tanks in the airplane. There were two uh, devices under the cowling that looked like our electric motors, one of them end to end and connected by a shaft. I saw that myself. I saw it fly. The next day when I came to work, Henderson, the canvas, the airplane, and the whole work was gone. We never saw him again. We don't know where it went. Another man named Hendershot developed a motor. There have been a half a dozen of these free energy devices developed to produce power. They work on the same principle as planet worked on. In fact, these spaceships, the disks, are copied after planets. They use exactly the same principle in, in space relative to their travel that the planets use. We're sitting here right now on a spaceship that we call the Earth. It's traveling 1,000 miles an hour on its axis and 1,800 miles an hour in its orbit. And we are following the sun through space at over 12 miles a second. And yet we register no sign of movement. And those three movements alone, not counting the motion in the galaxy. We are wobbling on our north pole, which we can't feel. These motions are not felt because we are subject to the gravity of this body we're riding on. These people in copying the principle of planets and applying it to ships don't have to pay anybody for the power or put any fuel in the tanks any more than the Earth has to. There have been uh, many people ask the question, what do they breathe? Do they carry compressed air? Do they uh, carry oxygen in tanks? Well, we're not carrying oxygen in tanks. And in their copying of the planets, they also provided the same method for producing the air and the oxygen they breathe. The air and the oxygen we breathe is generated by the planet. We never stop to think about these things because they're generally accepted as part of something we get for nothing from the time we're born to the time we die. Nevertheless, the planet generates our atmosphere. Astronomy has had so many things refuted in the last five years that they have been put under secrecy because they don't want the public to find out that in the last five years they have upset the entire table of all the information that has been printed in regard to the stars and other planets and life on them. Science itself, if it produced a book every week, 
the book would be obsolete by the time the next one came out the next week because things are moving so rapidly. No man, no one individual can possibly understand the full concept of this picture. This is the greatest thing that has happened to this planet since the birth of Christ. These people have stated that they originally colonized this planet. That's how people got here. They placed a colony on the planet. That was 86,000 years ago. Prior to that time, there were two other civilizations on the planet. The ships themselves are coming from various places. They work in a large confederation. They have 51 solar systems and 601 individual planets in this confederation, which they call the Adamic Confederation of Man. And they said that's where we got the name Adam in the Bible. It was taken from their original colony they landed here. And it's been passed down through history and interpreted today as a man, although it was actually a colony. Our astronomers know today the moon is inhabited. They know Mars is inhabited. These are facts that you can find out if you can get on the inside of astronomy. The geometric lines they call canals on the surface of Mars are not haphazard. They are the shortest distance between different points in straight lines on the, sur on the uh, surface of that planet. It's been brought out a number of times that these particular lines must be canals because we couldn't conceive of any life having anything straight that would show up from this planet, there could be anything other than a waterway. They aren't canals. They're what the people on Mars call light waves. They're the method by which they travel between the various large cities at the intersections of those lines. Our astronomers have photographed any number of lights on the moon, changing lights, moving lights. In 1954, they photographed first man-made structure they've ever pictured on the moon. Prior to that time, apparently it wasn't there. It was built suddenly and photographed over the Maracrisian crater, a hundred-mile-long man-made bridge from rim to rim of the crater. That uh, can be verified in any number of uh, recent checks on the moon's surface. In fact, you can see it through a good 12-inch telescope in any amateur's backyard. And the best time to observe it is the first three days of a new moon. We have a 12-inch telescope going up at the property up there, and uh, we intend to photograph that bridge through that telescope and publish the pictures of it. If astronomy won't reveal these things that are not security, Russia knows they're there, every nation on the Earth knows they're there, their astronomers know they're there. It is not something that should be hidden from the people because the uh, proof that life exists elsewhere is only another manifestation that there is a creative intelligence greater than man. It is the very verification that the Bible tries to teach us. These things being withheld are only evidence of a destructive element and uh, a force trying to keep the people in ignorance. Naturally, with the investigation under the military in the Air Force, the Air Force is not responsible to the public. They don't have to say anything or they can say anything they want of either way. They're not elected by the people. They're only responsible to the administration. Nevertheless, the administration knows the answers. Ike himself has talked to these people on these ships. Truman talked to these people. 
I flew out here to Palm Springs two years ago specifically to be taken from Palm Springs over to March Air Force Base and to Muroc Air Force Base to converse with these people at their request when they landed there. Yet the public was never told the facts. We know this happened because Ike was supposed to come up to our place to talk to us. And the night before his landing in Palm Springs, there was a GI six-wheeler truck pulled in there with about 40 MPs on it, uh, ready to set up to provide the security for the president. These things don't just happen out of the ordinary to anybody. Lindbergh flew the Atlantic, but that doesn't mean we all can fly the Atlantic. Each of us through our lives have various experiences that other people don't have. The fact that this uh, has occurred to us has come about uh, because we had been in the process in our organization of uh, working and researching into thought communication. We had had over three years' experience in the reception and transmission of thought messages. Our science today can photograph the thoughts of any individual they want to put before a machine. They don't look like thoughts, they look like flames. And they are the basic uh, reason for the four-element principle that's uh, brought out in many sciences, the fire, earth, air, and water principle. The fire represents the creative force or thought. And every thought, regardless of what it is, will register as a flame in this device. These spaceships vary in size depending what they're used for. They said they had 369 varieties or sizes or types, just like we have kitty cars, scooters, bicycles, automobiles, trains, ships, and everything else. Uh, they have 369 types and sizes and that they, each one is designed for a specific purpose and used only for that purpose. The scout ships that have been mostly observed around our surface have been photographed any number of times. We have any number of photographs out at our place, on the wall, in the restaurant, that uh, have been taken both through telescopes and with box cameras, with good Leica cameras and different types of cameras. One ship in particular, the Venusian uh, Bellcraft, which is uh, a scout ship that normally carries four people, has been photographed in Venezuela, Scotland, and the United States by three different people that didn't even know each other, and yet the photographs are identical in the fact that if you uh, run a triangulation and uh, bring these ships in the scale and the different attitudes they're in, you'll see that the dimensions are all the same and the, and the appearance is the same. The number of portholes is the same. I was uh, particularly honored in 1953 to have one of these ships land out there at our place. They landed for definite reasons because we had been in thought communication with them for a year and a half prior to that time. It's difficult for people to realize that this rostrum wouldn't have existed if somebody hadn't thought of it before it was made. Anything that you can look upon, this building, the tables, anything here was the result of somebody's thought, and thought is the creative force of all things. So in this research, we had received a number of communications from these people. At first, they only gave us little detailed data on events that were going to occur. 
in order to verify themselves to us, to make us know that they knew the score of not only what was going on, but what was going to happen. We publish a paper and have since 1953 that goes all over the world. In the last issue, the first part of July, I printed data in there that they said was going to happen. The first line of that information was that owing to the atomic tests in the Pacific, there would be violent earthquakes in the Mediterranean area, and today's paper bears that out. The Greek islands were practically wiped out by earthquakes yesterday. In any of these cases, if you want to check on it yourself, you look on a globe. In the position opposite on the globe to where the tests are conducted, whether it's Siberia, Australia, or Bikini, earthquakes will result in the opposite position on the globe after the tests, exactly opposite to the position of the tests. Our science measures the strength and force of these tests through seismographs, which are earthquake instruments. Now, if you can triangulate from three different positions hundreds of miles away a force and measure the extent of that detonation, it's coming through the crust of the Earth. This is just about as insane as if some airline pilot were riding along up here throwing hand grenades out on the wing because we're riding on this planet, it's our ship. We were put on it for a purpose. And we have a bunch of madmen trying to blow it up. We make one big bomb and then Russia makes a bigger one. And then we make a bigger one than that. And this has been going back and forth. Now Australia and England are sticking their finger in the pie. They've got to make a bigger one than either one of us. There's got to be an end to this sometime. The reason for these ships being here is because of these atomic detonations, which they have registered out in space and in their patrol ships, and they started appearing here right after the two bombs were dropped in Japan. These people have demonstrated a science so far beyond ours that our scientists can't comprehend it. They travel from here to Venus in 42 minutes of our time in the carrier ships, in which the 2,200-foot carrier craft will carry 300 scout ships. They have no weapons. They have never had war in their history. Their science has been devoted entirely to the progression of their people. While we have had 177 years of peace in the last 2,000 years, the rest of it's all been war. These people have never made their appearance in great numbers before in any of our wars because they knew in a gunpowder war or bow and arrow war that it would soon end, there would be a lot of people killed, and it would come to an end without any major damage. Nevertheless, now we have the means to destroy the civilization on this planet and the planet itself. Our government has admitted that we have enough bombs stored in this country alone to annihilate everybody on the planet through radioactivity. Now, that don't include the Russian stockpile or the Australian stockpile. They have created a monster that's running them. The men who create these things in Washington, as this man from Air Force Intelligence told me, he said, they've got a glassy glare in their eyes and all they eat, sleep, and drink is a bigger and better explosion. He said if they were out in public life, that they would be committed to institutions. Now that's right from the horse's mouth in Washington, from a man uh, in charge of a section of intelligence in our military. We know ourselves, I know the Ukaipa growers here, protested after a number of these atom tests to Washington that they felt that these tests were causing crop losses owing to temperature drops. 
and I published uh, an article on that in our paper. There's no question about it. These men, not only the people of Kaipa, <coughs> suffered crop losses, but Florida and other states all over the country suffered crop losses. The reason we see in the papers now that we have exploded another bomb, we get the information through Tokyo. Washington hasn't got the guts to announce their own explosions because they're scared to death the public will tie all these destructive storms, hurricanes, tornadoes, tidal waves, floods, and earthquakes, and crop losses in with their blasts out there in the Pacific. And we have run out a constant check on this thing, and it definitely is the reaction of those bomb tests. The bombs, in the first place, the, the hydrogen devices charge our atmosphere with positive particles of radioactive material that they call fallout. You can check this information. Every major government in the world today has expedition to both poles on our planets because they're concerned with the stability of the planet. The magnetic pole moved further on the surface last year than it ever had before in recorded history. And it's moving so fast now that they can't even conduct a survey this year and have it accurate next year because the declination lines are moving. We used to go out here and get a navigation chart to cross the ocean with a boat and it was good for 10 years. They would have the declination changes figured 10 years in advance on that chart. Now you have to get one every six months and then it isn't accurate. These people are here for our protection. They have stated flatly that they will not permit any device to be exploded that will destroy this planet or the inhabitants on it. The ring of asteroids between Mars and Jupiter that we see through our telescopes are pieces of a planet going around in the orbit that the planet originally traveled. These people have records of the time that planet was there. It was destroyed in nuclear tests just as the same as we're conducting today. And the resultant force of that and the cataclysmic eruption throughout the solar system, which they say runs just like a watch, if you gum up one gear, the whole works is affected. A piece of that planet hit in Arizona, the big crater, crater over in Arizona, They've never found many pieces in. It was a piece of that planet of a different density and in a condition where it vaporized when it hit. But nevertheless, the result of the force left the crater. The civilization on Mars, three quarters of the population of Mars was killed in the concussion, the upheaval, and everything that followed uh, that the destruction of that planet. Mars never stabilized on its, or on its orbit again nor on its axis. And they had to go out there and build a man-made satellite, which is our astronomers call the inner moon of Phobos. It's 1,500 miles off their surface, and it's nearly 10 miles in diameter. And our astronomy today will still uh, will admit to anyone that they don't know why that moon travels opposite the rotation of the planets while all the other moons travel with the rotation of the planets. It's for the same reason a kid runs into the wind to fly a kite, because he gets more wind. And they rotate it the opposite direction, and so they can move it at half the speed and get twice as much energy. And it also reflects more light than any other moon we've ever photographed. That's because it's of its metallic surface. Our astronomers have made these commitments in the past, that there's no life on other planets. This is the beginning of everything. I wonder how these little minds can conceive of God when they confine him to one speck of dust in the universe. This thing has reached a state now where we have a few motion pictures coming out. I don't know how many of you have seen this picture of UFO. 
actual color motion pictures of 14 ships in formation, taken by a Navy man. The film has been analyzed by every technical laboratory in the military and stated flatly that it's not been tampered with or faked. There are two actual shots of flying saucers in that picture, plus data pertaining to the saucer buzz over Washington in 52, which we notified Washington was going to happen five days before it occurred. By registered letter, we told him that this was going to happen because these people told us they were going to do it and told us to, to send the information to Washington. It takes a lot of nerve to stick your neck out far enough to tell Washington that spaceships are going to buzz the Capitol. Nevertheless, the information they had given us for three years had proved accurate in every case, and we stuck our neck out far enough to tell Washington spaceships were going to buzz Washington. And they did buzz Washington. We also advanced to the government two other messages that they asked us to send to Washington. Other than that, we record our information and keep it to ourselves or publish it in our paper. It's hard for the average person today who is wrapped up in the mundane things of making a living and making ends meet, paying his taxes and keeping his business going, to realize that these things are taking place. And yet on every hand you can see the evidence of a decaying civilization, the money system going out and appropriate billions where we used to appropriate a few millions, foreign aid that isn't accounted for, the expenditure of billions of dollars for things that you never know where it goes for. And there isn't that much, much money in existence while the nation is $276 billion in the hole and going in deeper all the time. Any place in business you can see the prices are rising. Labor has to have more money to meet the cost of living. This cycle of change has to end sometime, someplace. It's going to end because these people are going to bring it to an end but they're not going to do it by themselves. They are only going to observe the conditions and record them and prevent any bomb being exploded that would destroy this planet or its civilization. They said that in the event an atomic war starts, they will not interfere until the people start crying to God for help and then they'll put a stop to it. But they're going to let them get plenty well fed up with radiation disease and everything else before they make a move. The reason for that is, in their laws and in the laws of the universe, they state man was given the right of free choice, every individual to make his own decision, every civilization to decide their own course. And they are not going to violate that right of ours. They learned a long time ago to keep their nose in their own business, unless conditions arrive at a point where their civilizations are affected or destroyed, they will interfere. They stated that they have three and a half million ships around their planet. They said they can take over this planet in any 15 minutes they want to take it over. And uh, our government knows they can do that, as well as the rest of them. The people that came in the ship out to our place on August the 24th, 1953, the man that woke me up, we were sleeping outside. It's pretty hot in the desert in August, and we like to sleep outside anyway. The man that woke me up, introduced himself, said his name was Solganda, he would like to show me a ship. I spent 20 years climbing in and out of airplanes, every kind of an airplane that was ever built. The last four and a half on flight test of Constellations at Burbank. And they don't turn million and a half dollar airplanes over to screwballs. The man took me in and explained the various things 
uh, on the ship, I saw the method of power below the deck, the free energy motor running, the ship hovering there as stationary as it was on a concrete foundation, despite the fact that a gusty wind was blowing. The fellow that introduced himself didn't introduce the other three men on the ship. However, they turned and smiled at me as I passed behind them. The man in the middle was controlling the ship. As I put my weight on the deck, when I went aboard it, I heard the tone of this humming engine change. And as Sol Ganda followed me onto the deck, it also changed again, indicating that they had to account for our different weights in order to maintain that hovering condition. As I said before, these ships have been patterned after planets. You can look at Venus in the sky and all you see is a brilliant light. This brilliant light is a result of the force field generated by the planet. Just as we know there are fields exist around any coil we wind or any <coughs> armature we turn, they generate fields. We are actually seeing the field generated by the planet. If you were on Venus and looked at the Earth, you would see the same thing, just a bright light in the sky. Now these ships, as they travel overhead, don't make a sound because these fields generated around the ships won't permit sound to come out and their engines aren't very noisy to begin with. They are not subject to any gravity outside of that to generate themselves any more than this planet is. Everything inside of that force field is subject to its own gravity on its own deck. They can make right angle turns of 2,000 or 5,000 miles an hour and you don't even have to strap yourself on the seat to make the turn. These have been photographed. The Air Force for a while was confused by this condition because the ship doesn't turn the people as our automobiles and airplanes do. The ship, every, the force that turns the ship turns every atom of the structure of the ship and the people in it at the same time. Relatively, there is no effect of centrifugal force manifest by the people in the ship relative to the ship. They're not smashed up against the wall or anything else. Now that science has found out that these things are, they are more reluctant than ever to reveal these things to the public because practically every scientific book today in the earth is obsolete. It would mean printing an entire new scientific concept of things. These things have not only entered the scientific field and the military field and the government field, but they've entered the religious field. Religion, as administered by the church, has maintained that Adam and Eve were the first creations. That's true enough in the Bible, but it's misinterpreted by the people who read it, because Adam wasn't a man and Eve wasn't a woman. Adam was a colony of men and Eve were the women, the race of females that were on this earth, that uh, were here from the last civilization. And the first sin, or the original sin, as eating the apple that is quoted, is not the act of mating with a woman, it was the act of mating with a wrong woman, or the crossing of the blood of two species. That's the original sin. These people landed here, all men, as we would land on Mars if we went up there, take a, take a colony of men along and set up a base before we ever took our women. And the Bible tells you that. It says these men were lonesome. They had no helpmate meaning they didn't bring their women here. Everything in the Bible is there if it's interpreted right. And these people have interpreted this, this information for us. And it makes more sense than anything you ever read. The only 
thing is that it has to be interpreted right. The man we call Jesus is just as alive today as he was when he was here. These people have demonstrated beyond any possibility of a doubt that life is everlasting, from one lifespan to another under different conditions. Sometimes you have to take this grade over again because you didn't pass it. I asked them in particular that question, what do you have to do to pass this particular grade in life? And they said, all you have to do is conform to the golden rule and do all things in moderation. And you've made the grade. And if you don't make it, that's the only time what we call reincarnation enters in. That's when you have to be born here again to take it over because you flunked. Because they said you can't polish God's apple, you're going to have to pass it if it takes you 10,000 times. And they said he don't care because he's got forever. So their concept of these things, of uh, a single one or the creative spirit as they call God, they stated that the only difference between their religion and ours was that we talked about it and they lived it. And uh, they've brought many things to the surface that if we just stop and reason a little bit and think and take the time to think, they make good old plain horse sense. Their technologies and science are so far ahead of our scientific concepts that we don't even know what they're, what they're doing. And they uh, further said that we didn't have to feel so bad about that because they know of people in space where they've explored there's a far above them that they can't understand it. So eternal life appears to be, as they said, a series of grades, just like going to school. You go through these grades to experience things and then go on to other grades to experience greater things. So they've also brought to us a realization that death is not a termination of anything. It's only a change to a new condition. This in itself, the church should be anxious to bring to the people. Nevertheless, the church is under the same power of control in many cases, although there are true reverent uh, people in the church and in the teachings in the church. Nevertheless, the hierarchy of various branches of religion in the church have to conform to the principles that have been established through the years, and they refuse to change those principles. Nevertheless, in the next few years, they're going to have to change. They're going to have to reveal these things. These things are going to come out, come out in spite of authority, military, or the church. These people are here to stay. They're going to make more landings. They're going to be seen by whole cities, whole populations. They have carrier craft here from other solar systems that would stagger the imagination of our people. The one here outside our solar system from Arcturus, they said the ship is 120 miles long and 36 miles in diameter. And it's one of several hundred of ships they use primarily for exploration. But in this case, it's been brought here to bring a large number of other ships here. These sound like tales of fantasy, but back when we were kids, somebody told you if you fell out of a high building, you were dead before you hit the street. Now we drop 20,000 feet in the parachute and are conscious enough to pull the ripcord. They said a few years ago in the aviation game, which I know better than any other business, that if you went to the speed of sound and broke the sound barrier, it'd tear the airplane to pieces. We have ships at Muroc Air Force right now that have flown better than twice the speed of sound and been landed by the pilots without any ill effects. I know a number of the boys out there. One condition out there that occurred at Muroc, I published in the paper. The counter never, the government never disputed this thing. 
One of these large carriers came over Muroc Air Base one day, or hovered there for days. I don't know how long it was there. One of our rocket test airplanes that can't take off the ground, has to be dropped from a bomber, was taken up, and then this particular day their project was to see how high they could go with it. At 89,000 feet, the pilot's instruments all went dead. And he was gone for three hours, yet he only had 10 minutes fuel, rocket fuel. He couldn't possibly stay in the air over 10 minutes with the fuel he had. You couldn't buy the fuel in a gas station. The airplane won't take off the ground itself, and yet he was gone for three hours and landed back on Muroc Air Force Base and told his story of being picked up by some kind of a force which he couldn't describe, the airplane and the pilot taken inside of one of these big craft, in which he talked to the people for three hours, landed back on Muroc and told his story. As he left to go home after being examined by the military psychiatrist for hours, they phoned his wife and told her that he had been on a high-altitude flight and he probably would be irrational not paying attention to what he said. I know her, too. Nevertheless, they had to accept that something happened. He certainly didn't go outside of the gravity. He was gone three hours. They finally had to arrive at the conclusion that his story was true. They couldn't put any other conclusion on it, especially after their radar stations had accounted for the fact that some large object was over Muroc Air Force Base that day. These things are going on right in our midst, and the citizens who are supposed to be the government of this nation are being kept in ignorance of it. That's the crime, that this great thing is taking place in our very presence, and we are unaware of it, except for a few. These people have the means to converse from one of these ships with any individual they choose to put a beam on and talk to you just like you listen over a telephone. It's the same thing that occurred in the time of Jesus when Isaiah and Moses and all of these different people in the Bible heard voice of angels, they heard the voice from heaven, they heard uh, the voice of the Lord, and different things like that. The book that we say we accept as the holy book has got all of these things in it. I've recently written a book using the Bible as verification of these things that are occurring. And if anybody can read that book and deny the facts in it, they also have to deny their Bible, because the same facts are in the Bible. Isaiah tells you in Ezekiel, of wheels within wheels. What does that indicate? It indicates a mechanism of some sort. Voices from the sky, Moses running up into a cloud talking to the Lord, those were real people. The only difference between our method of organization and theirs is that they classify their people by those names. Where we have general managers, superintendent, and president, they have God, Lord God, Lords, and titles like that. That's the thing the Bible tells you about. It's a story of these people in the skies. Of course, in those days, very few people could write. Very few of them even owned a donkey. They didn't know what a jet airplane or a balloon was. And when man came out of the sky, they had to picture him as something because they didn't know of anything that could fly in the sky but birds. So they drew pictures of man with wings on and called them angels because of the magnificent feats they performed in the presence of these multitudes. These people coming here today in these ships are the angels of the Bible. They are just as reverent, they understand life, and they live the laws. They don't talk about them. 
they haven't a church or a money system in their whole organization. But you'd never want to walk in the presence of finer people. You feel like a grandchild in the presence of his grandfather when you're around them. Because the very fact that they live these laws, they radiate the compassion and love that we like to know. Now, I've tried to cover this very roughly. I can't put eight years of research into a few minutes. But I'd be glad to answer any questions that you may want to ask. I think uh, that way I can uh, explain something possibly that you might want to know rather than go on with a subject which I could talk here until next week at this time, and I still couldn't cover all of it. So uh, if any of you want to ask questions, why, now's the time. Over here. Well, uh, I can't uh, say what the appearance of all of them are. The, the four on this ship were, uh, came to my eyebrows in height. I'm six foot tall, and I would judge them to be about five foot seven. Any one of them could have put on our clothes and walked down the street, and you wouldn't have known them from any of our people. Except they had a better physique. Their muscles were outstanding. Their, their physique was outstanding. They said they have no disease on any of their planets. They have foot disease a long time ago. Uh, I talked to two brain surgeons at my place, two of the top brain surgeons in this country. These two brain surgeons uh, stated that they had post-mortem the 16 bodies taken out of the ship north of Denver. That was way back, the one that Frank Scully wrote about, way back before security was ever clamped down. They said that from our own chart of brain tissue under a microscope, they have established a condition on this chart where they can determine the age take of any brain taken from any body, from a newborn baby to a person 100 years old. It doesn't go beyond 100 because they have so few cases beyond 100. But they said the brain tissue changes with the years. It gets more nerves or, or fibers or whatever it may be, as they explained it. And they said from our own chart, which is based on zero to 100 years, they had to assume that the youngest of these bodies aboard these ships were 300 years old and the oldest was 700. Now that's physical evidence under a microscope. The one thing that the Air Force has harped on right straight through this thing is that we have no physical evidence. That's the biggest lie that was ever foisted on the American public. They have the physical evidence. We also have physical evidence. These things are going to come to light and the Air Force is going to have to backtrack because there have been a number of these contacts made. There have been several landings in South America, there have been several landings in France and Italy that we know of, probably in all the other countries. But we know of several people in this country that have contacted these ships, talked to the people aboard them, and gone aboard the ships. In every case, the press has tried to twist the stories of these people to make it seem that they are just a little bit cracked. Dan Fry rode one of these craft from White Sands to New York and back in 30 minutes, from White Sands, New Mexico. There's a, an electronics technician employed at White Sands to make the final adjustments on these expensive rockets being fired in the, uh, straight up into space. They get Dan Fry from Aerojet in the zoo to come up there and make those adjustments because he's the technician with the know-how to set the gyro pilot so the rocket will go straight up. And yet, the press implies that the man's a little bit screwy. 
He's the head of uh, Crescent Engineering down El Monte now, and uh, also a consulting engineer for Aerojet, yes. But he has produced two or three devices which he has no competitor on. They're strictly things, little uh, transitors and so forth, that the people he contacted told him how to make, much better than anything we manufacture. He has no com competition. One of them's a little electrical device that you can set next to any shaft that's rotating, and it'll give you the exact RPMs per minute without any connection with the shaft. Another one is a pump that'll pump acid without having any moving part in the acid, in the pipe the acid being pumped through, pumping the fluid by induction. Another thing is a little apparatus about three-quarters of an inch long, about a big round of pencil that you clip on the side of a hypodermic needle, and whether they're taking blood from the vein or giving an injection. In three minutes, it'll give you the same amount of reading that you can get in 22 hours of chemical analysis of the blood. In three minutes. Those are three of the things he has patented that they told him how to make. And nobody else manufactures a competitive object like it. This story is going to get out in spite of anything. It's the greatest thing, as I say, since the birth of Christ. Now, that's something else that they explain, and I'm going to bring it out in relation to this because... The man asked, what were these people like? They stated that they landed Mary here pregnant. That's where we get the Virgin Mary story. They were, Mary was one of their people that they landed here. She gave birth to one of their people here. That's why he was capable of manifesting all these actions that we termed miracles, or the people in those days termed miracles. But you want to remember at the same time that when this man grew up and started teaching, he also said, even as I do, you've been doing more. He wouldn't have added that and more if he felt he had done everything that could be done. And the three wise men who came out of the east were three of their people. They landed to watch over Mary and the child on the ground. They followed this star of Bethlehem because it was a spaceship that came along and hovered over the manger. They were in thought communication with Mary at the time and also the three wise men. The star of Bethlehem was not recorded anywhere in astronomy in the records of that time. It was the same thing you see today. If you see one of these spaceships at night, you'll see a brilliant light traveling through the sky, making a right angle turn or a curve, which a shooting star doesn't do, or maybe going straight up. We have observed as many as seven at one time, doing all kinds of gyrations that our aircraft can't possibly do. So these people are people in another life level, the same as uh, college students to great school kids. Does that answer your question of what the people are like? Does anybody else have a question? What about language they speak? Well, normally they don't speak uh, any language. They have a basis of thought, which they call the solex mall, or the solar tongue, and they communicate meanings by thought. Now, they have uh, passed down in a number of families the ability to speak. If one particular family talks English, it'll be passed down as English to the succeeding generations. The man who talked to me spoke as good English as Ronald Coleman, much better than I speak. And the three that didn't talk to me couldn't utter a sound, not even if you hit them, they couldn't even grunt, because they have their vocal cords are dormant. Where they have the ability to think and not talk, we have the ability to talk and not think. So it's uh, just a right about face. Mostly, the reason our people can't think is because they never have time to think. Our system doesn't permit us to think. 
We're going like a racehorse from morning to night, and maybe the wife running along beside us in some other position in order to meet the burdens of living. These things are something that have to be gone into, and the system must change. There's no question this money system is on a critical point of either collapse or total expansion or inflation. The hydrogen condition definitely is going to have to come to some sort of a stop. It's either going to have to cease or blow the works up. And these people said they wouldn't permit that to happen. So uh, we're living in a critical time in more ways than one. And you people as business people know it, especially if you're in the automobile. Group. More of a question. We in the religious field speak quite a bit in the spiritual. Uh, what do they term of as a spiritual realm? Is that thought communication? Well, no. Their, their uh, interpretation, references made to that, I think, uh, mostly in the church's heaven or some state of hereafter. Like in our teachings of the Trinity, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Yeah. They, they express that as the infinite light and the two opposite polarities of primary energy, the positive and negative force of primary energy. They express that as the infinite light which is still and the two lines of force which cause all motion in the universe, the positive and negative lines of force. They refer to what we call God as the creative spirit or the single one. and. Uh, uh, their interpretation of people like themselves and like us uh, are, they say, we are instruments of this creator's doings. In other words, he can't manifest anything except through man who he gave dominion over all things and then rested and left the works up to us. So uh, their basic explanation of these things has uh, brought an understanding that we are in this life grade and they are in another one higher above us. When we die, rather than mourning the death, we should be tickled to death if somebody died, because uh, it's evidence of uh, termination of this grade. They said that death among their people is celebrated like we celebrate if one of our kids graduates from grade school to high school. They said we celebrate a, a graduation down here from one grade to another in school, but we don't celebrate it in life. And uh, they have no mourning. Actually, if we believe in an infinite father, an infinite force, and a deity greater than ourselves, it looks kind of stupid to go out here and ball because God took somebody from us. It's the same as, uh, to me, it's a sacrilege to cry over it. I mean, after all, that's uh, business above and beyond us. We didn't have anything to say about getting here, so why, how, why should we have anything to say about believing? And uh, they explain that as you leave this level, you just, if you drop dead here now, you just get up and you'd see yourself laying there. The positive body, as they call it, or as we call it, the spirit body, would observe our physical body laying there. But we would get up and look around, just like you always do when you fall down, and be conscious of standing on the floor and wondering what in the heck you're doing down there, too, because you're fully aware of everything where you're standing. Then they said you gradually, everything is gradual. There's no abrupt shocks or terminations or sudden shocks in these conditions. They said you gradually move out of this condition. You may observe your own funeral, all your relatives bawling their heads off, and you gradually drift into what they call a transition level, where you will either have passed the grade there, in that case you move out of transition, which they liken to our summer school to catch up something between grades, 
uh, you'll move out of that transition level in the next grade of life, or you'll return here in uh, whichever case. Uh, it doesn't make any difference. You're going to live anyway. In fact, they said you can't kill yourself. You're going to live in spite of yourself. So uh, these various things uh, have been brought out through the thought communication and verified in a number of instances by this uh, ship landing. Now, we're in the process right now of putting up about $55,000 worth of buildings for research to install the same apparatus they use for extension of the lifespan, rejuvenation. Because they said the only way that we can get out of this mess by ourselves is to take the people in the older years of life that have found out what is wrong with the situation through experience and give them enough more years to straighten the mess out. Because they said in this short lifespan we live, by the time we get old enough to know anything, we kick the bucket. And it's of no value to anybody. So this rejuvenation equipment has been explained to us in every phase except the last uh, the number of degrees that it has to be phased into the lines of force in order to come outside of the Marine Corps buildings. Uh, that has all been approved by San Bernardino County. And uh, they're ready to issue the experimental permit on this building whenever we are ready to start the building. I'm sorry, I'm going to have to cut off time. That's a good deal. Just I'm, just I'm just beginning to get more. Okay. Uh, I want to thank all you fellows for being here. And uh, one time I had the wife and the daughter and uh, some of our local group with us. Usually I go out on these things. I talk to the Masons. I talk to North American Aviation Management and the San Bernardino County Chamber of Commerce. And I've been kind of all alone in the business. Oh, so, sure. Thanks a lot, boys.